0: Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Merry Christmas to you guys it 's a couple of days away um, but i 'm excited um, it 's the most wonderful time of the year it 's uh, right before tax season so everybody 's super excited and looking forward to tax season and so they use December to celebrate in anticipation of that right um, I, I love christmas um, i I get in trouble because Um, my harbinger for when Christmas starts is when Hobby Lobby puts up their Christmas decorations which is becoming earlier and earlier in the year which is, uh, some people don't like that but I I, I love that because that means I get to start listening to my Christmas songs earlier and earlier much to the chagrin of my, my wife I listen to all of them too I'll make a confession Pentatonics and all, all those people I, I, I listen to. I, I just love um, their Christmas uh, spirit and, and the songs and, and obviously the, the, the hymns um, I, I absolutely, absolutely love. Um, I apologize that we were a little Christmas hymny this morning. Um, That was my fault, so if you want to write a letter to somebody or an email about just how many hymns we had, Christmas hymns, you can go ahead and address that to me. My email is curtis at bayoucity.com, so go ahead and do that. Um, But I love all of them, man. I I love um, the hymns. I love um, all of the the non-hymns. One of my favorite Christmas uh, songs right now is a song that I did not like when I was a kid it was Santa is coming to town, probably because I was a pretty bad kid growing up, so I, I, I knew uh, that I would never get anything from Santa. Um, I would blame that on the terrain in sub-Saharan Africa, in rural Zambia. It was kind of hard for Santa Claus to get to uh, because of the terrain, so I didn't typically get a, a, lot, of, a lot of presents. But, but if, if you think about that, that... that, that the song, the messaging in that song is really no different from the message that we hear in the world and world religions outside of our faith. And, and the message is, is this, if you do good, then you get good. If you do something that's worthy of a reward, then you will get a reward. A reward only goes out to those who are deserving. But our story and our faith is different because the moment that Mary touched the face of God that night was the moment that God proved that there is no depth of which he won't sink to to reach you and I there is no place that is too dirty no heart that is too hardened if God is willing to be born in a barnyard then you and I can expect him to work any place Anywhere, in any circumstance of our lives. That is the, the joy of Christmas that you and I sing about this morning. It's amazing not only how God works, but who he chooses to work through. We've been going through the book of Luke, and if you haven't, go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 2. But we've been going through the book Uh, uh, of Luke we've digressed from John we'll get back to John after uh, the Christmas season but we've been going through the first two chapters uh, of Luke we're in chapter 2 verses 8 through 20 this morning but we have witnessed the simplicity of the characters that God has chosen to use one of the things I dislike if there's anything to dislike about Christmas is having to prepare a sermon Christmas because we've all heard the Christmas story before. And so the temptation when you get up here is to try to find something complex, something insightful, a nugget of knowledge or information to share that people haven't heard in the 25 times before that they've heard the Christmas story. But I was struck this week as I was preparing about the simplicity of the story of Christmas. It is more simple than it is complex, more plain than it is profound, more welcoming than it is excluding God himself, lowered himself to the depth of mankind to make a way for us and God to be in fellowship. And perhaps, as we tarry through the complexities of Christmas and presents and parties and family members, some of which we would rather not see, we can remember the simple message of Christmas, and that's this: that Emmanuel, God, is with us. Simplicity in the characters that He uses. If you recall from uh, the earlier sections that we have read, He uses a man named Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, who are who is up in age. She's not old she's just advanced in age and through that couple comes child John the Baptist who will be the precursor who will pave the way for Jesus the Messiah simplicity in Mary a maidservant with no historical significance and Joseph a peasant who really does not have any historical significance either and they come for a seemingly historical insignificant place for them to be the father and the mother of Jesus Christ not, not kings in palaces and not pharisees or teachers of the law or the religious elite that are in the temples of the synagogues but these two seemingly lowly people that Jesus that God uses really to bring forth his son We know that they're simple people because if we understand anything about first century Jewish culture, which is dissimilar to our culture, where family is eh, but in their culture, family was everything. They didn't have second cousins or first cousins or mothers and fathers. It reminded me of my own culture in Zambia, where we don't have a name for a cousin or an aunt or an uncle. Everybody is your mother. Everybody is your sister. Everybody is your brother. That was similar to their culture. Family was everything. And for Mary and Joseph to be with child, at the brink of giving birth, and no one had the compassion to let them in amongst family, shows the depth of the circumstances that they were in. simple supporting cast. Simple supporting cast that we're going to be introduced to this morning in this text that we're about to read in the in the shepherds. Turn with me, like I said, to Luke chapter 2 and start in verse 8 and go to verse 20. It says this, now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before, him, before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them now. If it's not sacrilegious for you to underline words in your Bible, please underline the words Lord in there. And they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Understand the revelation that this angel was bringing to his audience. The Bible tells us that the angel who showed up to speak to the shepherds was the angel of the Lord. That would tell us that it is an angel of God, the Lord. And the Bible then tells us again that it is the glory of the Lord that shone around them. But then watch what it says in verse eleven. It says, "For unto you born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord." In other words, it's the same Lord who sent the angel and it's the same Lord whose glory is shining on the shepherd. It is the same Lord who was born to you this day in the city of David. In verse 12, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a a manger. And suddenly there was with them the angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest Marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, and if you can underline that word, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Let's open in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you, God, that you stepped down from from heaven, to live, to dwell, to redeem us from ourselves in the curse of sin. We just ask this morning that you speak to us in a mighty and wonderful way. We ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. We we've sang this song this morning, Hark the Herald Angels say. Most of us know what it is, but we have younger folks in our audience um, this morning. Um, a, a herald uh, was really a, a, a messenger that went forth announcing good news, big news when something big happened uh, in, that, in that culture they, they didn 't have Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is that people use these days, and so they hired a, a herald to announce good good news. Uh, the more resources, the more money you had, uh, the, the larger your herald was. So if you had a little bit of money, maybe you could afford one person to go around and announcing hey, something big has happened. And and, and typically what what people were announcing was really the birth of a child, especially uh, a male child. And and, in that culture, um, a a male child, a a boy, was really, really important because uh, the boy would carry on the name of of the family. And that was considered a a blessing. Not that girls were not important, but boys were able to carry on the the name uh, of the family. And so they heralded that. Uh, birth and they announced that. And so, if you had a lot of money, uh, you, you, you bought a lot of people to come in and herald that information to you. Mary and, and Joseph didn't have a whole lot of uh, money, they, they had their child in a manger. They were not surrounded by family, they were surrounded by animals. And so, who heralded the announcement of the Savior? God himself did it. God would herald his own announcement. Not because he couldn't provide the resources for Mary and Joseph to purchase a herald. But that's how great the news was. That God himself needed to herald the announcement of his birth. But the the, the amazing thing that happens is who this announcement is, is, is made to. If you, if you look in verses eight, 8 and 9, the Bible tells us that, that there was, in the same country, shepherds living in the fields. Now, under, underline this word living because what, what Luke is telling us is this wasn't a nine-to-five job. They didn't go to the fields and come back. They, they lived out in the fields. And the Bible tells us that they were keeping watch over their flock by night and behold an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly uh, afraid. Because they were living in the field, two, two things was true about shepherds. Uh, one is they were isolated from the rest of the population because they never really interacted with everybody else. And you know what happens to people who don't really interact with us is we become very suspicious of those type of people. So, so naturally, shepherds were really looked upon as suspicious, shifty kind of people because it, people didn't really know a whole lot about them. They interacted. And the second thing is they were pretty dirty. Because remember, they lived out in the fields, so they didn't have the opportunity to come back to not only bathe, but to ceremonially bathe. Because in those days, the Pharisees and the religious people required or wanted people to bathe a certain way, to clean themselves a certain way so that they could, be redeemed, they could be considered good enough to live in that society and to worship God. And so these folks were living out in the fields with these sheep, and so they were dirty. And so what ended up happening is you were not allowed to buy milk or wool or a kid from a, a, a shepherd. Now, there's a lot of young ones in here, so by kid, I don't mean a kid kid, but I mean a little sheep. Because some of you are looking at me like, yeah, man, they were pretty nasty people if they were selling kids, but they weren't selling kids, they were, they were selling sheep. But you weren't allowed to buy anything from them because everything that they sold was considered stolen property because there were people that were looked upon with, Suspicion. In fact, so suspicious were the shepherds that their testimony wouldn't even be allowed in the court. So if you wanted to take somebody to court and your witnesses were shepherds or even shepherds, somebody had done something to the shepherds and they went to court, they weren't even permitted to talk in court because they were automatically considered to be liars. They they were the lowest people in society just above people who had infirmities who had physical ailments and the people who had physical ailments were typically cast out of society they weren't allowed to interact with people in society that's how terrible that society was but the shepherds were at the bottom of the barrel of the people who were still allowed in society but people looked down on them on top of it if you think about it the Bible tells us that the angels show up at night And and so these aren't These aren't the prime shepherds, the seasoned shepherds who've been doing this for a while because they have seniority. They have hierarchy. These are the guys who get the third shift. These were third shift shepherds who were at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to shepherding, probably younger shepherds who didn't have a lot of say or sway and so they're stuck at night. So if you're a shepherd in And that day, think about it. If society keeps telling you that you're bad, that you're shifty, that you're shady, that you do wrong things, what's going to happen to your psyche? What's going to happen to your behavior? Your behavior is probably going to start to match what the world is telling you you are. So here's a bunch of people who are social outcasts and thief. They're probably rough around the edges and they're living a lifestyle that the good people would condemn and say, That's not how God wants us to live. You're sinful. And so an angel of the Lord shows up in the middle of the night to this group of people. And if you're a shepherd, you're not expecting an angel to show up. And if you're a shepherd in the vein of what people assume shepherds would be, you're probably not wanting an angel of the Lord to show up. You might be doing something bad when the angel of the Lord shows up. And so the angel shows up and he says, don't be afraid. I have, I have good news for you. Now, you've probably been beat down so much in life that you don't even know what good news is a- anymore. Because what's deemed good news for other people probably isn't such great news for you because you're always on the outside. What's good for them is typically bad for you. But God in his infinite wisdom and his purpose says, I'm going to go to the shepherds first. The amazing thing about it is the Bible tells us that there were people like Simeon who were were praying and, and they were fasting and they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah and God doesn't go to them first. God decides... He's going to go to the shepherds first. I wonder if if you and I were angels in heaven and God said to us, the son, my son is about to make an appearance and entrance on earth. Go tell people. I wonder how many of us would say, God, the first place we need to go to is fields and places that smell. I wonder how many of us would say that the first people that we need to talk to are people that are shifty and shady and smell funny. Because if you're like me, many of us are convinced that the best way that God can reach the world is through the people who are relevant and who are respected and who are revered. That's why we get excited when when celebrities or people that we know that are relevant in society uh, say something about Jesus. At a, at, a, at a football game or, or on TV or at the Grammys. We get super excited because they're relevant, right? They're respected. And, and, and if they say something about, about Jesus and about God, that makes our faith relevant. Gosh, they, they said it. They have a whole bunch of money. They have a whole bunch of fame. And because they said it, that means it's true. It becomes true because the, the relevant and the rich and the powerful people say it. And so we've lowered our standards for what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ to merely saying, God bless America. If you say, God bless America, you're in the kingdom of God and you can represent us in front of people and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're relevant and, and you're respected. We've ascribed honor where honor should not be due. Honor is found in the person of Jesus Christ who was born in a manger surrounded by shifty and shady characters. God didn't didn't go to majestic halls. He, He didn't go to the synagogues where the religious elite were. We're waiting for the Messiah to show up. He went to a peasant girl in an insignificant town. And he was delivered in her arms next to her husband, who was a day laborer, in the middle of a migrant journey. that that ended in a barnyard because people did not have compassion on them. We would be wise as people of God to learn to look for the Savior where he lies and not where we put him. Because if we look where we put him, we're going to miss what the Savior is doing. It is in the manger. Surrounded by the shifting. Where God, Emmanuel, has come. I am I'm thankful that God doesn't operate in my economy. That he doesn't see the world the way I see it. Yeah. Because if I wrote... The Christmas story: all the heroes would look like me. Right. They would talk like me, yes. they'll sound like me, mm-hmm. they' would act like me. But I am thankful that God in God's economy, the characters that I use, God would not use. First 10. And then the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord." So the angels show up to the shepherds, and the shepherds react like anybody reacts when an angel shows up, right? And by now the angels are used to saying, "Hey, don't, don't be afraid." But but in this instant the shepherds probably have every right to be afraid because the scales of religion haven't traditionally been tilted in their favor. And so when the holy shows up, they have a right to be afraid. But the angel responds to their fear with with an amazing statement that has great implications not only for the shepherds, but for you and I, really. Really? In verse 11, the the angel says to the shepherds, for there is born to to you in this day, the city of David. Notice the word, it is to you. You you are not, you shepherds are not the the byproduct of something that has happened to these guys over here. You're not the collateral that just fortunately happens to be standing in the way of God's blessing. The child has been born to you. Not to them, but to you. And the angel proceeds that in verse 10 by saying, hey, this this news that I'm about to share with you is, is great news, not just for you, but it is good news to all the world. In other words, it's not news that is just limited to shepherds in Bethlehem in Israel, but it is news that is for all of the world, that Unto you and me is born in this day a child who is Christ the King. But then the angel says something even more amazing. And to to really understand what the angel is is saying here, you got to understand a little bit about the prophetic history that is going on. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7, and place a finger there on verse 13 and 14, and then also turn to Micah, Micah chapter 5, to to give us a little bit of context as to what the angel is about to say next. Micah and Isaiah were prophets in the Old Testament, and, and prophets would announce the word of the Lord to the people of God, the people in Israel the people of Israel in the time of Micah and Isaiah had turned away from God and God had promised through the commandments that were given to Moses that if you turn away from me, you will be punished and the punishment that you would receive is you would go into exile. Other people would come in and take over your kingdom. So this is in the middle of that beginning to happen and so We've read a little bit of Isaiah. We read Isaiah chapter 9 and the continuation of the prophecy. But in Isaiah, God calls Isaiah to prophesy and to tell the children of Israel what is going to happen to them. But in addition to telling them the bad stuff that is going to happen because they disobeyed God, similar like what happened in Micah, God is going to say through Micah and Isaiah, the good stuff that is going to happen to them, the blessing that is going to come in the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is what he says in Isaiah. God says through Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13, he says this. Then he said, hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? So the sin against men. But will you also weary God? So you're not only sinning against men, you're not only doing bad stuff to each other, but you're also sinning against God. And verse 14 says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, he shall, and, he sh- and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so God, in this prophecy through Isaiah, tells the children of Israel that even though a bunch of bad stuff is going to happen to you, In due time, I am going to send a son who will redeem you. God, I'm going to send myself essentially God with us. God is going to come on earth and be with you. And the son will come through a virgin mother. Turn with me to Micah chapter 5 and let's read verse 2. Micah, similarly to Isaiah, was prophesying about the coming of the... Messiah, And Micah received a word from God of where the Messiah was going to be or where the Messiah was going to show up. And so God says this through Micah in 5, chapter 2. He says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and from Everlasting. And so when the, the angel says to the shepherds in verse 12, the sign shall be, they know immediately that it is the sign that Isaiah prophesied. Because Isaiah said, hey, when, the, when Emmanuel, God with us, comes to you, he will be preceded, or what will come before him will be a sign. And so the angel reminds the shepherds, and says, hey, the sign that you're looking for, for when Emmanuel shows up, it will be a child who was born of a virgin, and the sign will be he will be wrapped in swaddling cloth, and he will be lying in a manger. We're going to get back to Micah chapter 5 in a little bit. So, so the, the, angel prophesies about the coming of not only Israel's Messiah but the world's Messiah and the amazing part about it is he's not coming in grand halls or in in, in castles or even in the temple but he is coming in a shelter that is surrounded by stinky and smelly animals by the way the group of people that could only find themselves in that kind of environment because they were excluded from society. They wouldn't be allowed in a temple. Certainly wouldn't be allowed in a palace. They wouldn't be allowed in a synagogue. They probably wouldn't even be allowed in an inn because they were shifty and they smelled funny. But the place that they would be allowed in would be a shed full of animals in a manger God and in his infinite wisdom dictated the activities of men so that the shepherds when they heard the good news could freely go to where Emmanuel was because if Emmanuel was born in a palace the shepherds wouldn't be allowed in If Emmanuel was born in a house, the shepherds wouldn't be allowed in. But Emmanuel in a manger, the shepherds could go and visit him. So what do we we learn from God's interaction with the shepherds? If you have something to write down, three quick points. The first one is this, that the shepherds came to Jesus as they... Were verse fifteen and sixteen says this. It says, so. It was when the angels had gone away from them, and the heaven that the shepherds said to one another, "Let us go to Bethlehem." They knew about Isaiah seven. They knew about Micah five. They knew that the Emmanuel, God with us, was here, and they knew that Micah said that this child would be in Bethlehem. And so they said, "Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known." To us, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The, 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 the news that they receive is so amazing to them that they don't have time to spiritually cleanse themselves, they don't have time to go take a, a bath. They went to the Savior as they were, and the Lord accepted them as they are because God meets us in dirty places smelling like a whole bunch of stuff but if there's a lesson to be learned from the shepherds is the response even though God meets us in fields that smell and a whole bunch of junk that smells around us and that's on us you and I are still called to go to the Savior to respond to his voice and to his call see He doesn't It doesn't help to listen to 25 Christmas sermons year in and year out. It doesn't help to listen to Christmas carols. If we don't acknowledge that we have a whole bunch of junk on us, then the good news of Jesus Christ is not relevant in our lives. It is when we respond to the good news of Jesus Christ by going to the person of Jesus and acknowledging that we were in fact once his enemies. And had it not been for the birth, the life, and the death, and the resurrection, and the return of Jesus Christ, that we would forever be in the pits of hell. You and I are called to respond to the calling of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that in the shepherd's example, we know and have the confidence that we don't need a wash up. First, we need to look pretty. I know all of us look pretty this morning. We don't need to look like this to go to the Savior. We can go with all bunch of stuff weighing us down because if He can be born in the depth of the dirt that is the manger in a shed full of animals, He can surely lower Himself to whatever circumstances that are in our lives. Point number two, is that the shepherds Shared what it is that they saw. Shepherds shared what they saw. Verse 17 and 18 says this. It says, now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard marveled at it. at Those things which they, they were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds, by virtue of them going and sharing, were in fact the first evangelists of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were the first ones to take the good news that they had received from God by way of the angel that they had witnessed in the birth of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of the prophecy and to share that gospel, that good news to the world. They weren't polished. They weren't weren't educated. A a lot of us, we have received the good news of Jesus Christ, but we don't feel like we're polished. We don't feel like we have enough Bible in in our minds to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But the shepherds knew this. They heard what they heard. They saw what they saw. And they knew what they knew. And that was enough for them to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. To anybody who was willing to listen. See if you and I don't take the good news that we've received. Because some of us have received that good news. If you and I don't share that good news. The world is looking for news. And the world will get news. But if we don't share the good news, what will be replaced by the good news is tragedy and destruction for the world. The world lies in balance because they need to hear, the world needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And you and I are called to say what we've seen, say what we know, and share what it is that we've heard. Point number three is this, that the shepherds returned Glorifying God it says this in verse nineteen. It says, "But Mary kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart." And then the shepherds, underline this word, word if you can, returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, that they had heard and seen, as it was told to them. Notice what Luke tells us here. Luke tells us that they returned. But where were they returning to? Same fields, same profession, same circumstances. Nothing on the outside had changed that much for the shepherds. They still were going to be looked at suspiciously. They probably still would be asked for ID if they got pulled over. They probably would still be patted down by TSA if they wanted to board the plane. Nothing changed for them on the outside. But what changed to them on the inside is that their fear had been replaced by hope. Emmanuel had come God with them. And so now they were able to return to the fields that they had left. The fields might have not changed. The circumstances were the same. But they returned not with fear, but with hope. Because they recognized something. That God was now with them. That's the message of Christmas, that God is with us and that he is for us. Even when life tries to tell us otherwise, yeah, we might have lost a loved one this year. Yeah, our relationships might have changed. Yeah, tragedy and circumstances. Yeah, we did not get a good, clean bill of health this year. But the Lord is with us. Therefore, we can walk back to the fields that we left with the message that Emmanuel, God, is with us. I have four kids. My third one. Her name is Naomi. She used to wake up with. Uh, she used to have nightmares sometimes in her sleep, and sometimes she does, but not as much now because she's a little bit older. But every time she started crying in her sleep, I'd hear her, and I'd rush upstairs, and I'd turn the light on, and I and I'd say to her, "Is everything okay? Is everything okay?" And she'll look up, and she'll say, "Yes," and then she'll hold me, and then she'll I'll hold her until she went back to sleep. One particular night, she started crying, and I ran. Upstairs to her and right before I turned on the light she said daddy 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 and I said yeah it's me and she said come over here and hold me and I said Naomi do you want me to turn the light on and she said no you don't need to turn the light on because I know that you are here of all the names that Jesus has and they're wonderful master savior redeemer king my favorite name for Jesus is Emmanuel God with me in my darkness God with me in my circumstances God with me in my sickness God with me in my brokenness God with me my favorite name for Jesus is Emmanuel because he has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And so we can turn around and go back to a world that is dying, a world that is desperate, circumstances and situations in our lives that are dire, but we can go back there not with fear, but with joy. Because Emmanuel, God has come. And because God has come, we are able to celebrate like the angels celebrated and say, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those whom he has pleasure in. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you've done in your birth, in your life, and the cross, God, and what you would do in your second coming. We ask this morning, God, in the circumstances in our lives where we do not feel you, that you might be with us. Come near to us. Hold us. Love us, God, because we need you. We don't deserve you, but we need you. And we thank you, God, that you came just for that we ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name amen let's go ahead and stand this morning we're going to ask our worship our prayer team The worship team is already up here our prayer team to go ahead and come Emmanuel God with us I I don't know what area in your life that you you need to hear that truth that, that God is is with you I don't know, it might be in your health, it might be in your finances, it might be in your relationship, it might be in your circumstances. But if this morning you say, I, I just need somebody to pray that into my spirit, that God is, is with me. I, I, I know it, I, I believe it, I just need somebody to affirm that with me. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning and you say, I, I, I don't know, I, I, I've, I've never felt God with me, but, but it's, it's, it's stuff is clouding down on me and coming down. I mean, I, and I need to feel that God is with me. I, I don't know if he can be, I, I need somebody to, to walk me through that and, and pray over that in my, in my life. And you just want to hear or pray and get that assurance that God is infected because he, he will be, and he can be if you ask him to be. And so if you're like that this morning and you want to pray with someone, I ask that you come forward. If you know somebody in your life, I know I need it because it's been a rough 2019 for me. I lost my father in 2019. I lost a close friend, to pancreatic cancer yesterday. There's a friend and a neighbor of ours who is in hospice right now. We don't know how long he's going to have. 2019 is a year that I have needed to hear that God is with me over and over again. And if you know somebody that needs to hear that and they're not here this morning, you want to intercede and step in and you want somebody to affirm that with you, I ask that you come forward. But God is with us. He's here. We're celebrating that this season. And allow that truth to become relevant in our lives this morning. Let's go ahead and pray together.